Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The President and First Lady have been diagnosed with the COVID virus, as has Senator Mike Lee, one of the Republicans who will be necessary for the Senate to get Amy Coney Barrett on the Supreme Court. It's all getting very, very, very interesting. In some ways, I suppose, kind of confusing. Kelly Loeffler, the Republican senator from Georgia, tweeted out that China is responsible for Donald Trump getting the coronavirus. There are other countries, you know, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, where in the entire country over the entire last year, they've only had a few dozen or a few hundred deaths. No active cases that I know of, no active spreading going on right now, for example, in New Zealand. I mean, leadership matters. And I retweeted Kelly Loeffler's tweet blaming China and pointed out that irresponsibility is the Republican brand. I mean, basically, never take responsibility for anything. This is their worldview. I'm expecting to hear more of this, you know, that the Republicans are going to try and spin this around to say, we're the victims of China. Well, yeah, you know, the the Chinese could have handled this better in the early stages. We could have handled it better once we knew what it was. And by the way, we knew what it was in December of last year. In fact, in the last week of November of last year, U.S. intelligence notified Israeli intelligence that there was some sort of a SARS-like, MERS-like virus going around in China. Now, you know, MERS is the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome. That's it's a SARS coronavirus, as the COVID virus is, and as the original SARS virus is. And we didn't know exactly what it was, but we knew it was bad. We knew it had the potential to kill people, as the other two SARS viruses have. So it's going to be real interesting to watch how this plays out. I was looking at some of the right wing news this morning and, you know, things about, oh, you know, the liberals are all schadenfreude. I'm not at all schadenfreude. I'm not sitting here going, oh, yeah, isn't it great? He got, you know, none of that. Number one, anytime the president of the United States is ill, critically ill or has the potential to be critically ill, it's a national security crisis. If we care about our country, we have to be concerned about that. There are countries that, you know, are not our friends, who wish us harm, and who would try to exploit something like that, number one. Number two, if this goes the way that it most likely will 
for Donald Trump. The percentage of people who die from COVID who are over 70, between 70 and 80 years old who get COVID and then die is a little short of 6%. It's higher than other people, but, you know, in fact, it's massively higher than children. But it's around 6%. The numbers are all over the map. I wrote a lengthy article about this that you can find easily on the Internet, breaking down all the science that we've got in COVID. It was published, Raw Story and Alternate. I'm not sure if it's still on those sites any longer because they tend to roll fairly fast. About half of people, more or less, between 40 and 60% of people who get the virus, who test positive for the virus, never show any symptoms. Of the people who do show symptoms... 100% of the people who eventually die are in the category of people who show symptoms. Roughly 6% death rate for people in their 70s of everybody. That means you've got a roughly 12% death rate of people who are showing symptoms, if I'm doing my math right. And I'm probably not. I'm not an epidemiologist. This is just kind of trying to use logic here. Which means the odds are 9 out of 10, at the worst, that Donald Trump will recover from this. And this is the message that the White House is putting out is, you know, most people who get this recover from it. And the first lady is not symptomatic. Donald Trump apparently has mild cold symptoms. He was tired yesterday and had a raw throat. But the odds are he's going to recover from it. Most people do, even people in their 70s. If the 25th Amendment gets invoked, if Donald Trump gets seriously ill and therefore cannot be making decisions or can't interact with people, and I think you could even build a case that it should be invoked right now, because he can't sit in a room with his cabinet. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is, you know, we've all seen Zoom calls and Skype calls and stuff like that. So, you know, he probably has no problem doing that. They've got great technology in the White House. But if he gets sicker and the 25th Amendment gets invoked, which is not uncommon, I think it's happened three or four times since it was originally passed back in, as I recall, the early 70s. I think the 25th Amendment was passed after Kennedy was killed. And If that happens and Mike Pence becomes the acting president, and typically it's happened when a president was short-term sick, when Reagan got shot, you know, stuff like that. He's unconscious. He's going through surgery. Well, somebody's got to be in charge, right? Some presidents have even had surgical procedures, and so, you know, we do this. But if Mike Pence is president for even 10 minutes, does he pardon the entire Trump crime family? And, of course, we all know that that pardon will not extend to state prosecution. So it's going to get very interesting. Now, particularly people in their 70s or people over 60, actually, is most of the data has been compiled over 60, under 60, or over 65, under 65. But where I was going with that is that a lot of folks like this, and this was the article that I wrote a couple days ago about this, is that a lot of these people are suffering long-term consequences of it. It's a vascular disease. It's not a lung disease. It, it inflames the vascular system, the arteries, veins, and capillaries. And therefore, it can damage any organ in the body. It can cause strokes, heart damage. In fact, we've seen examples of it causing heart damage in young athletes. They found in this one study that about a third of college-age athletes who got COVID, and these were not people who, none of them were hospitalized but about a third of them had measurable heart damage on an echocardiogram, ultrasound, taking a look at the heart. That could be a problem. But I think that the thing that concerns me most is that this becomes a Jair Bolsonaro kind of scenario. Jair Bolsonaro, I believe he's 56 years old. I, I could be wrong. But he's the president of Brazil. And a few months ago, he got coronavirus. He was sick for a week or so. And then he's done with it. And he came out afterwards, having survived it, and said, 
you know, the fact that I survived this is proof that what I've been saying all along, there's no there there. This isn't a disease you have to worry about. There's nothing. It's just a bad cold. I had a bad case of the flu. Therefore, go about your life. And this is why Brazil is, they've got mass graves going on all over the country. So, you know, this could be a great wake up for the country and for Trump supporters, or it could end up hardening their position. It's really hard to tell how this plays out. I've, I've also seen all over the internet, you know, these conspiracy theories that this is, you know, this is classic Lee Atwater, right? He's just, you know, he wants to divert the attention of us all away from how terribly he did at the debate and, and uh, you know, this, that, and the other, how bad the economy is and et cetera. I don't think so. I'm not going there. The main thing that people are positing is that this might be his way of getting out of debates. Number one, if that was the case, it would have leaked by now. And number two, it's like, we really don't need to go there. I get it. This is a White House that has lied to us repeatedly. Louise and I watched the rest of the Comey case last night on Showtime, I think it is. And what an amazing three-hour TV series. I mean, just astonishing about what Comey went through with Trump and the whole Russia thing. Just breathtaking. And you get it, that this White House is literally capable of anything, and lying through their teeth is certainly up at the top of that list. So we've lost a lot of trust and faith in them. But I think that, you know, we can take this seriously. Come on. I mean, there's no need to get crazy about this. The Hartman Report is a free daily podcast, seven days a week, and you can find our entire three-hour podcast over at TomHartman.com. So just to keep you up to date on this fast-moving story, Vice President Joe Biden has tested negative for the coronavirus, which is a good thing. Not to suggest that Trump testing positive is a good thing. You know, it's, this is a crisis for the United States. When the President of the United States is disabled in any way, it is a crisis for the United States. And, and you pile that on top of all the other crises that have been manufactured by this administration, you know, destroying our alliances, pulling out of the Iran deal, provoking Kim Jong-un and, and then holding his hand for two years while he builds lots more nukes, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's kind of problematic. Increasingly, I think people who are in the circle of Trump and that includes what, like White House reporters and the people who were at his uh, fundraiser at his Trump property. It's all he does, basically, is go to Trump properties so that the federal government can spend money, can give money to Donald Trump and the crime family and his grifter kids. There's people who are pretty pissed off about this. I mean, there, there's video of Mike Lee hugging and kissing people after he had a coronavirus test. If, the story, if I'm reading the story right, and before he was diagnosed, I mean, like the day before, which is when you're the most infectious, you're the most contagious before you start showing symptoms. Once you start showing, this is one of the reasons why this disease is so hard to stop, because most of the time the spreading is not done by people who are sick. The spreading is done by people who are in the two or three or four day window before they get sick. So you've got people around the White House, including the entire White House press corps, that are upset about this because nobody and this morning people in the white house were not wearing masks according to the media reports and then yesterday kaylee mcenany who knew that hope hicks had tested positive and who had been hanging out with hope hicks the day before 
held a press conference in the White House briefing room with a whole bunch of reporters where she, you know, yelled and screamed and made all kinds of loud noises. And I mean, I had a slight exaggeration, but, you know, blew out was if she's infected, she was blowing out viruses like there's no tomorrow. People are, you know, what's what the hell is with that? You know, what's with Mike Lee? There's a headline over on Raw Story this morning that I retweeted earlier that the Bedminster, New Jersey Trump golf course, which is where he did a fundraiser last night, that, you know, this is a quarter million bucks to get in the door. These are very wealthy people, but they're probably also very old people. Because typically when you've amassed enough money that you can, you know, give Donald Trump a quarter million bucks, (laughs) it's taken a while, right? And that those folks are, quote, freaking out, end quote. In fact, I retweeted that earlier and I said, are they having second thoughts here? I mean, or are they buying bleach? I mean, who knows? Chaz in Lakewood, Washington. Hey, Chaz, what's on your mind? Putin Jr. came down with a nasty case of Democratic hoax, huh? Apparently, yeah. And I'm guessing this is their October surprise. I don't think this was planned, although Trump has been taking (laughs) such chances. You know, it's just it's just breathtaking. I think he's believing Dr. Scott Atlas. He's got this Fox News radiologist who knows nothing about infectious diseases running his coronavirus response now for all practical purposes. He's a symptom of herd immunity like Herman Cain. Yeah, Herman Cain is the side effect of herd immunity, but Scott Atlas is out there saying, you know, we just need to get as many people infected as possible and get this behind us. And Trump is probably thinking of himself kind of like Bolsonaro. I don't know. Lucas in Gloucester, Mass. Hey, Lucas, what's up? Despite all the funny memes that are going around Facebook and everything this morning about the current situation, I think it's important that we don't wish ill will on the so-called president. I just think the high road is the best way to take on that. Thoughts and prayers. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I debate people regularly, whether it's Facebook or whatever, or in person. One of the things that I've seen or heard going around is, especially with the argument of Trump's taxes and not paying anything, the excuse that's been brought up to me several times He's donated his presidential salary, and so he's a saint for that, you know, and we should we should thank him for that. And no one else has ever done that. How do you argue with that? I mean, clearly, I think the presidential salary right now, Lucas, is around 400 grand a year, if I'm remembering correctly. And in the last four days, Trump has visited four Trump properties and Mm -hmm. each one of those four Trump properties probably took in several hundred thousand dollars in revenue from the federal government because when Trump goes to those properties, the Secret Service is there, his entourage Uh is there, everybody's there, and you know, they're buying food, they're buying products, they're paying for link fees, they're renting golf carts, they're doing all, God only knows if he's even charging the membership. But I'll bet that any random single week throughout his presidency, he has Mm -hmm. made more money moving government people onto Trump properties than he ever would have taken in a salary. Salary's chump change for Donald Trump. He has made probably hundreds of millions of dollars in the last three years that were all redirected 30 or 40 times that the Air Force had to stop their planes that were on their way to Kuwait or the Middle East in Scotland so that they could visit his resort (laughs) and spend $65 for a hamburger for lunch. They're all over the place, right? I mean, you know, this guy has been milking this presidency. And then on top of that, we find out, and you know, the Brad Parscale is talking about committing suicide because it's come out that the Trump campaign, which has raised something like $800 million, apparently has embezzled, or whatever the proper word is, 140 million of that 
out of the campaign, out of the pockets of those Trump donors. And I'm I, I'm getting mm. five, six, seven, sometimes eight or nine emails a day begging for money from Trump. You know, these are probably mostly older people who are just big, you know, and, and every time it comes through, they just push the button and bing, it hits their credit card again. And Trump is lying to them about you're going to have lunch with him. That's never happened. We got an 800 percent match. It's a lie. He's flaunting <laughs> the campaign finance laws and just shoving more money in his pocket. And Brad Parscale was right in the middle of that. I'd bet almost anything in the 2016 election. Trump famously said during the primary that he'll be the first guy to ever run for president and make money doing it. I think it's absolutely true, Lucas. The salary, giving away the salary, that, that's what you do to bring the suckers and the rubes along. And that's what I figured. I just needed some clarity. When you're talking to someone like that, they kind of throw the sympathy or the, the emotional thing. Well, you know, he's donated the $70,000 that he spent on his hair, you know, hair and makeup. He probably paid out of his own pocket to this poor young, you know, makeup artist. It's right. But why do I have to pay for it indirectly by exactly. giving him a tax break for it? Exactly. I mean, you know. Exactly. Thank you, Tom. Thank <laughs> yeah. you very much. Yeah. Thank you, Lucas. Yeah. It went out of his pocket and then it went back into his pocket. That's my money. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity. And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. 
With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. On the science revolution this week, Trump never noticed a modern-day American disaster. He's trying to spread the virus as far and wide as possible. We should call this today what history will call it when it looks back on this moment, genocide. David Kraft with the Nuclear Energy Information Services here. It's time to end Exelon's nuclear hostage crisis. Climate risks are compounding financial challenges for Midwest nuclear plants. Plus, Lieutenant Governor Garland Gilchrist II of Michigan drops by to explain that racism is a public health crisis. Tune into the Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. You're listening to Tom Hartman. So I'm over at the website markedbycovid.com, M-A-R-K-E-D, by B-Y, COVID, C-O-V-I-D.com. And looking at pictures of Mark Anthony Arquiza and his daughter, Kristen, he died of COVID. And I mean, this is a movement of people who have been affected by COVID-19. And it's absolutely remarkable. And Kristen Arquiza has been out there speaking about this and doing just an absolutely brilliant job, put together this website, markedbycovid.com. It's also the Twitter handle, marked by M-A-R-K-E-D, marked by COVID. And on the line with us is Kristen Urquiza herself. Kristen, welcome to the program. Tell us about your dad and about how you can say that he only had one single underlying condition before he died. Thanks for having me on the show. I am happy to be here and tell you a little bit more about what we're up to. My dad was a 65-year-old exuberant guy who was the life of the party often. He loved his family. He loved bringing people together to celebrate, whether it was a birthday, graduation, reunion. And he unfortunately contracted COVID in mid-June and passed away on June 30th. I'm so sorry to hear that. And his pre-existing condition was? His only pre-existing condition was trusting Donald Trump. And he was a Republican, a lifelong supporter of the Republican Party. He was a voter for Trump, and he listened to him. He listened to the president whenever he said we were on the other side of the pandemic, that if you didn't have an underlying health condition, that it was safe to resume normal activities. And when the state of Arizona opened up in May, that's what my dad did. He did what the president told him was safe to do. And for that, he paid with his life. That's amazing. Are you hearing from other people with similar stories? Oh, my gosh, Tom, it is overwhelming. Part of the reason why I launched Marked by COVID with my partner, Christine, was to create community and connect and to help personify and humanize the colossal life loss that we're seeing and 
on day one, people were coming to me saying, thank you. I just lost my parent. Here's what happened. Thank you. I just lost my child. Here's what happened. And also, we need a coordinated response and... Our leadership has failed us. Thank you for speaking out about this. That's great. Uh, what I mean, you've got a website here. You've kind of launched a movement, this marked by COVID movement. You're encouraging people to sign up and participate. I'll do so when we get off the air. I just hit the website uh, a little bit ago. And where do you want to go with this? What is the outcome you're trying to achieve? Thank you for asking. I agree. I, I believe that we are building a movement of those who have been impacted or marked by COVID. And it's not only just about people who have lost loved ones. It's about the profound ways in which we've been impacted by COVID, uh, from the survivors to teachers who are terrified to go back to school. And so we're working to help elevate and lift their stories to really be able to call on a coordinated, data-driven national response to the pandemic right now. But also long-term, we're starting to think about what is the recovery look like? What does um, reconciliation look like, restitution, recognition, and really promoting equitable outcomes for the people most impacted by this virus. We need to make sure that the people who have been most impacted have a seat at that table so that their needs are met and that once we're past the crisis, that we're actually creating policy and rebuilding in a way that doesn't leave behind the millions of people who have been so disproportionately impacted by our pandemic response. Yeah, absolutely. Kristen Arquiza is the person who has started this in, in memory of her father, Mark Anthony Arquiza, and the website is markedbycovid.com. Kristen, you are doing God's work. You're doing great work, and I, I thank you so much for dropping by and telling us about what you're up to and, and telling us the story of your father. Thank you so much for dropping yeah. by. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Markedbycovid.com is the website. You want to check it out and, uh, you know, sign up, get on the mailing list, you know, moving forward. Kristen Urquiza. Barbara in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hey, Barbara, what's up? It's a heck of a day at sea, sir. <laughs> it is. It really is. I mean, let's stop and think about this. Joe Biden stood the other night and asked people, wear your mask, it's patriotic. Wash your hands, it's patriotic. Distance is patriotic, but for some strange reason, you have a segment of America that just will not believe that they can get sick because they were told they could not get sick. Let's remember, the only ones that was really going to catch this virus who was really suffering up are the blacks. I'm one of them. I have to time. I'm scared to go outside. The Mexican community, the American Indian community. So they were told. Most of the Trumpsters were told, you cannot get this virus. Well, now the president of the United States of America has the virus. We don't know what's going to happen. We literally don't know. I think, I might be wrong, I think in a week he will bounce back and say he took that chloroquine and that's what cured him. What are we going to have now? A bunch of older Americans running to doctors to get the chloroquine. And it's not going to happen. Yeah, God only knows, Barbara. I mean, there, there's uh, over on Medium.com. There's some. There, there's a really good summary, pointing to peer-reviewed science 
on the benefits of regularly taking vitamin D and taking zinc, low-dose zinc, yes. on, mm-hmm. on reducing bad outcomes from COVID. But that seems to be, I mean, the stuff I'm reading about remdesivir, which is this you know, $1,000 a pill drug that Gilead came out yes. with, it's made them $3 billion already. The doctors who are using this in hospitals say they can't tell any difference, you know, between the death rate. It's, it's marginal. It's a very, very tiny death rate, although it's making Gilead billions of dollars. But it appears like that's everything we know about standard of care. You know, if somebody goes on a respirator, yes, you give them, you know, an anti-inflammatory, a cortisone-type drug to suppress the the damage that the tube does to the lungs. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I mean, this is where we're at. We don't have a cure for this, uh, Trump's uh, protestations notwithstanding. But you know what, Tom? If if you really break it down, it is a nightmare. It is a nightmare scenario because they have been told for months and days. This is not going to, you don't have a problem. You don't have to wear a mask. You don't have to social distance. I was in a store. The lady just asked me, why do you got a mask on? I mean, come on. We are yeah. dying in this country from a virus that we literally, and let's be truthful, don't know what, uh, what, uh, what it's about. We don't know yeah. what it's going oh, no, I, I agree. And it's, and it's a brand new one for the, for the human race. Barbara, thank you. Thank you very much. The nightmare scenario, as it were, is not that Donald Trump recovers. I, I hope he recovers. I would like to see him serve his term in jail, you know, like he should. The nightmare scenario is that he recovers and then he uses that explicitly and intentionally to push his hoax. This is what Jair Bolsonaro did in Brazil. I recovered. Why are you worried? Don't worry about it. Just, you know, herd immunity. That's what we need. That's what concerns me. And that's that's not about his recovering or not recovering. It's about how he deals with it. Uh, Boris Johnson got sick. He got very sick. And by the way, Bolsonaro is 65. I said 56 before. Maybe it's uh, Johnson who's 56. Um, But in any case, you know, Boris Johnson recovered from it, but he changed his tone as a result of that experience. He nearly died. He was in the hospital. The National Health Service was taking care of him. After After he got out of this, he came back and he thanked all the doctors and the nurses, and he was just effusive in his praise of them. And he changed his policy with regard to the coronavirus. They went from the herd immunity theory that his uh, health minister had been originally explicitly promoting and then later was kind of sort of promoting to say, no, we've got to get this virus under control here in the United Kingdom. And 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 but now they're opening back up again and they're getting us, you know, a second wave. We're hitting a third wave here in the United States right now. And, you know, Louise this morning, she said, OK, no more cloth masks. We're going to wear KN95 masks. And she got out a couple of these, you know, really high quality masks for our walk this morning. And thank God she did. We walked past three different people who were walking along and not wearing masks and just oblivious to anything. And, you know, this is a time to start being really careful because this country is hitting its third wave. And because Trump for for what, a year now, has refused to do anything about this, anything of consequence, the risk is always higher. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. They're always higher is a bad phrase. Increasingly higher as time goes on. Because, whereas in other countries, the risk is actually increasingly lower. Hey, we have a new video up over at TomHartman.com. It's astonishing. Just think about this. This year alone, with this one source of revenue, 
According to Senator Bernie Sanders, quote, This year alone, we could fund tuition-free college for all, eliminate child hunger, ensure clean drinking water for every American household, build half a million affordable housing units, provide face masks for everybody, produce the protective gear and medical supplies our health workers need for the pandemic, and fully fund the U.S. Post Office. Now, what is this magical thing that we could do that would produce enough money to do all these things? Fund the Internal Revenue Service. Republicans have cut its funding so badly since 2010 that fully a third of their enforcement is no longer happening. And tax cheats have walked off. They're basically refusing to pay over $260 billion in taxes this year. You can hear the whole thing over at TomHartman.com. Well, the president of Notre Dame was at the White House earlier this week for the Amy Coney Barrett uh, event, and uh, he has now tested positive. Mike Lee was there. He has now tested positive. The first lady was there. She's now tested positive. We don't know if this was the super spreader event or not. We just have no idea. Uh, but uh, just, you know, keeping you up to date on, on everything that we're we're, uh, we're reading here. Ramon in Arlington, Texas. Hey, Ramon, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. Thanks for calling. Yeah, it's funny how you were talking about that walk. Because on yeah, Wednesday, when I did my walk, Wednesday, the same thing happened to me out of nowhere. So I just wanted to share So you've that. had that experience of just looking out at the world and going, oh, my God, it's real. It's alive. Yeah. It's here. I'm here. Yeah, it's Yeah, it's it just happened Wednesday. Wednesday on my walk. Yeah. Well, what they're talking about, you know, that's wonderful that you had that experience, Ramon. I mean, these are these are the 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 moments that are so meaningful to us. And what they did in this study that was reported in The New York Times is they actually taught people how to do this and said, when you take your walk every day and they did it for eight weeks, when you take your walk every day, at least once or twice during your walk, look for something that's going to inspire you, that, that fills you with awe. And those people who did that had a measurable improvement in their mental health as well as their physical health. You know, when you think back to the last week, odds are what you will remember is kind of a long, gray, murky, kind of muddy, oh yeah, that was Monday, and then in there, there will be little moments of, of clear recollection. Oh, I remember that, that uh, uh, you know, time, conversation I had with my wife, I re- or I remember, you know, what I had for dinner, or I, you know, I remember some little thing. I remember walking outside and seeing... I'm of the opinion, I, I, I can't prove this, but I've, I, I actually learned this 40 years ago in a, in a Buddhist sitting meditation class, and, and I think that it's true, that in those moments when we stop thinking about the past or the future and instead are just fully present in the now, which is required, by the way, if you're going to look out at the world and go, wow, you've got to be present in the moment, right? That in those moments when we're present in the moment, that's when these really crystal clear memories are laid down. And the fact of the matter is that most of us spend out of an entire, you know, 24-hour day, probably less than 10 minutes, actually being present and alive and, and right here. Most of the time we're worried about the future or hoping for the future or feeling, you know, guilt or shame or pride or whatever about the past. But we're usually thinking about either the past or the future rather than simply being present. And it's, and that, you know, there's a whole kind of meditation around this called mindfulness meditation, which is teaches us how to be present. But it's powerful stuff, Ramon, powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that because that's what I hear about when Michael Jordan was, you know, at his best, he was there present with what he was doing. 
Yeah. yeah, they teach this to athletes, actually. You know, the, the, the mindfulness meditation stuff is, is, uh, is very often taught. So, yeah, good. Thank you, Ramon. Thanks for the call. It's great to hear from you. Vic in Stockton. Hey, Vic, what's up? Hi, Tom. You know, I'm a German-American. I'm a dual citizen. And I'd like your thoughts on my idea. I think the Republican Party is devolving international socialism in many respects. And I really think all progressives need to make parallels now with their Nazi-type behavior because, in my opinion, nothing else will delegitimize them as a party, which they aren't. They're actually a cult, I think. Can, it's okay, Tom, if I read to you a quote from Dr. Joseph Goebbels. That's the quote. We enter Parliament in order to supply ourselves and our of democracy with its own weapons. If democracy is so stupid as to give us salaries for this fair's work, that's just a fair. We don't come as friends or even as neutrals. We come as enemies. As the wolf bursts into the flock, so we come. Take, yeah, I got it. A, yeah, and, right, and, right, and, right, and by the way, yeah. these people, Vic, are not yeah. just moving toward national socialism. They're using national socialist iconography, whether it's openly swastikas on their, you know, in their flags or on their arms, yeah. or whether it's uh, the, the T symbol at it tilted at an angle so it kind of looks like a modified swastika. These people are Nazis. We just need to come right out and say it. Vic, thanks a lot for the call. Rose in Chicago. Hey, Rose, what's up? Hey, Tom. Why do you think that Trump didn't choose the easier way to re-election, which would have been, obviously, to just take the virus seriously from the beginning? To me, it just seems like a no-brainer that he could have easily sailed to re-election, maybe. Do you think he just craves a more chaotic approach to policies, or is he just stupid, or what? I think this turned around April 10th. On April 7th, the world learned, or America learned, um, because it was literally at the front, at the top of the front page of the New York Times, the Washington Post, it was all over the news media, on April 7th of this year, that African Americans, Hispanics, and Native Americans were dying at anywhere from two to five times the rate of white people. And a couple of days later, according to multiple press reports, there was a meeting in the White House. At that point, the post office had a plan to send five N95 masks to every, every American, or the equivalent of a KN95, you know, good masks. The White House had, you know, was planning to execute the Defense Production Act uh, for purposes of personal protective equipment and for coronavirus testing. They, there had been conversations with the World Health Organization about the WHO tests, which had not been available in the United States and were, you know, had been available for the rest of the world since the third week of January. There were all this stuff in place to do the right thing. And they had this meeting in the White House in the week after that news report came out saying it's mostly black people who are dying from this. And right behind them, well, actually Native Americans are dying at a higher rate than African Americans even. And then, and then right behind them are Hispanics. And they had this meeting in the White House and Jared Kushner is reported to have pointed out that number one, the severe outbreaks were all in blue states, Washington state, California, New York, and New Jersey. And so those are blue state governors who are going to take the blame for that. So when your enemy is hurting themselves, don't get in their way. And number two, it's not white people who are being killed by this, and that's our base. And so I think that that was the turning point. That was the moment that we got what has brought us to this moment. And they're, and they're continuing to promote that, that kind of story, by the way. And, you know, at every opportunity including on right-wing hate radio and on Fox so-called news, is, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's only black people who die from this. You don't have to worry if you're a white guy. 
and it, which is which is not true. You do have to worry if you're a white guy. But, you know, but the other the part of it that is true is that uh, African-Americans are more likely to die of this as are Native Americans. But the, but the simple fact is that African-Americans are more likely to die of cancer. They're more likely to die of heart disease. They're di- more likely to die of diabetes. They're more likely to die of hypertension. Same is true for Native Americans and Hispanics. This has nothing to do with genetics. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin medically. And it has everything to do with the United States having set up over the years, over 240 years, having set up basically a dual system for, for health care and, 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 and for income, you know, for, uh, essentially a caste system where white people get the best health care and have the most money and have access to the best food and all those kind of things. And, and as, as, as people's skin gets darker, as, as you, you know, go down that list or up that list, however you want to describe it, outcomes get worse and worse and worse. And, and the Trump administration, I think, is simply exploiting that what is referred to as structural racism that's built into our system. Does that make sense, Rose? Oh, yeah, it does. I appreciate your take on it. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Marsha in Santa Rosa, California. Hey, Marsha, what's up? I want to, first of all, just thank you for a mention of mindfulness, presence, how the world is alive and how we're connected and part of it, how we know we are. And I wanted to share, because a lot of people call in, and I so understand how wanting to sometimes feel compassion for Donald Trump or for his wife, and yet there's the part of us that just can't stand the man and, and you know, what is happening to the country and so forth. So I wanted to share how as a meditation teacher and mindfulness teacher and someone who went through recovery and so forth as a psychologist, um, how you can build your outrage. Go for it, Marcia. You have 30 seconds to the break. Um, okay. When you tune in to the little boy inside of Donald Trump who never got the experience of being loved or lovable, and Donald Trump completely divorced from allowing himself to feel any of that vulnerability, you can then wish him kindness. May you be safe, may you forever. And as you do that for yourself, your genuine humanity and connection to his humanity that's buried in there comes out. And you are free to be a loving guest. That's brilliant. Thank you. Marcia, thank you so much for that. That's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Fair and only slightly unbalanced. We'll be back with more of your calls. Where do you think this is all going? Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. I read a, a report earlier that way back in the summer, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, who uh, he nominated for the Supreme Court on, on uh, what was it, uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, that that event, number one, that she had COVID back during the summer, or at least she had tested positive. I can't verify that. I, I've, I've only read that from two sources. Um, but the other, that it appears that that, that event the, the White House, for the outdoor events in the Rose Garden and whatnot, they used to have the podium spread apart and, you know, they used to kind of socially distance. Not anymore. And Mike Lee was there and he was hugging and kissing people. He's now testing positive. Hope Hicks was there. She tested positive. Apparently, Thursday morning, Trump was in her presence. He was with, I mean, she was constantly with him. She's kind of his new Ivanka, I guess. And then he went to Bedminster and apparently uh, you know, exposed lots and lots of older, wealthy people. And they are in a panic, basically. So that's the bottom line of what we know. So let's pick up your calls. Adam in Youngstown, Ohio. Hey, Adam, what's on your mind? Hey, Tom, that uh, story you just said does not make me feel any better about how I'm uh, thinking this is going to turn out. Uh, a lot of people right now are speculating that Trump is going to bail out and Pence is going to pardon him. But there's no way that Trump would give up power like that. 
It's just not in his nature. Well, if he gets really sick, he won't have a choice. I mean, you know, if he, if he gets hospitalized or gets intubated, it, it would have to happen. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I believe he truly has COVID, he and Melania and Hope. I believe they have it, but that means oh, he's going into quarantine, and that means that he's not going to have leakers around, and that means he doesn't have to engage in debates anymore and ask, be asked questions about white supremacy affiliations. And you and I both know how the conservative think tanks work. They're the same people that told us George W. Bush has kept us safe. So Pence is going to step in, and the Lincoln Project now can find somebody that they like and get behind them and drop their ads, and they can come up with a brand-new lovely slogan, pray for Trump and vote for Pence. And then that goes ahead and leads with all the kneecapping that they've done towards this election, which could mean that Pence could win. You know, the same people that brought us the Concord Project and never let a crisis go to waste. In the meantime, we have no idea how Trump's doing. And let's just pick a number and say on the 2nd of January, we hear that Trump is bouncing back. He's doing better. And then by the 10th, he makes his first public appearance and says, I should be good enough to get inaugurated again. I think with I Trump, think we'll know within two or three weeks, Adam. Yeah, but if he's quarantined, how are we going to be able to know? Well, I don't know, but he did have an 1115 conference call, telephone conference call that he was supposed to be part of this morning, and he bailed on it. That's not a good sign in terms of how well he's feeling. But who knows? I mean, who knows? This is the problem. I mean, we've got a White House that lies to us regularly. The White House spokesperson, you know, Kayleigh McEnany, um, not only was lying to reporters yesterday (laughs) about numerous things, but also was, you know, hanging out with them without a mask, knowing that she had been exposed to to, uh, Hope Hicks, who, and knowing that Hope Hicks had tested positive and didn't inform anybody, didn't say, hey, stay away from me or let me put my mask on or any of this stuff. I mean, this, yeah, this and I don't is believe that we're going to find out if Trump is okay or not and which direction he's going in. I think that they could even claim he's going the way of Boris Johnson as opposed to Bolsonaro. He's not bouncing back. So that makes sure that Trump stays in the debate games and keeps it going. But Trump never dies or, he, you know, he doesn't get that sick. But we'll never know. It's just well, we'll find out. I mean, eventually, I think the truth is going to come out. And, and, I, and I don't think it's going to take a long time. The election is, is a month from today, right, or from tomorrow. It's, it's November 3rd. Today is October 2nd. And, and that typically, you know, 30 days is within the window of typically when the course of a COVID infection becomes obvious and, and, and frankly, runs its course. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it shakes out. Adam, thank you for the call. Robert in Penbrook. Pine, Florida. Hey, Robert, what's up? Hey, Mr. Hartman. Yeah, I just want to know if uh, Trump becomes too sick to function. And we know he's pretty sick when he can't run his mouth on the phone or in person. Um, And Mike Pence can't work either because he's also sick from COVID, which is probably going to happen, judging his proximity to the president. Does uh, Pelosi become president as per our Constitution, or do you think our Republican-controlled Congress is going to step on it somehow? You know, it's a it's a damn good question, Robert, because Pelosi is number three in the line of secession, or number you know number two after the president. You get the the president, the vice president, the Speaker of the House, but. It depends on how the scenario plays out. If Trump is disabled by this, if he's if he gets so sick that he can't function as president, then the 25th Amendment gets invoked and Pence steps in. At that point, one of two things happens. Either Trump continues to deteriorate 
and essentially pulls himself out of the race for re-election. You know, like he's fighting for his life on a ventilator or something like that, although I don't know how he could consent to that, but, you know, and, and there may be messy legalisms here. But one of two things happens. Either Trump is no longer the candidate, in which case Pence might very quickly try to get, for example, Nikki Haley appointed or Tom Cotton appointed as vice president and, and as the person on the ticket with them, or, uh, or not. You know? And if not, if Pence gets sick, uh, you know, the, the, we're in territory we've never been in before, Robert, is the bottom line. And if Pence yeah, gets sick think... and, can't, and can't function, you know, uh, I don't know how the 25th Amendment deals with that unless he's been made president. In which case, then the question is, you know, does he get to pick his successor or does the Constitution delegate it to Nancy Pelosi? And uh, I think that there's just way too many variables for a simple answer. Yeah, it's a big gray area, but uh, I don't think that uh, Mitch McConnell is going to let Pelosi get anywhere near the presidency if he can help it. So I just would like just wanted to hear your opinion. And and you're about I think you're right, Robert. And I I think the. Yeah, and I think the Republican lawyers will do everything they can to keep power within those those two hands, the Trump Pence hands, uh, yeah, or the well, Pence, yeah. whatever it ends up being. Well, you know, I'm sorry, Robert. I, I got to move along. Norma in Montgomery, Alabama. Hey, Norma, what's up? Hi, Tom. Um, two good, interesting callers back to back. My question is: while everybody is running in circles right now, they need to think about pushing forward. We need to take the Senate before we can get, you know, before we have a really big problem in January. There are a lot of people running against, you know, Amy McCarthy in Kentucky. It's running against Mitch McConnell. How many people are, yeah, how many of you people out there are helping her? She needs help. You've got Jamie Harrison in South Carolina Mm -hmm. running against um, Lindsey Graham. It would be really good if we did not have Lindsey Graham supporting Trump. We need to make sure that we take the Senate. You know, Jody Ernst has a, a candidate running against her. And Enzi is retiring, and there's a Democratic candidate for, uh, to run against him. I mean, run for his spot. Everybody needs to take a good look at Class 2. Those are the senators that are up for re-election and help. You know, like I said last week, we have Tommy Tumberville running against Doug Jones, and he says that Doug Jones is going to raise taxes to pay for abortion, which means Tommy Tumberville either has a very stupid uh, campaign office, or he does, and he doesn't even understand what he's saying. But we need to make sure that we have enough people out there working to get these, because we don't want these people voting on a constitutional convention. We don't want to lose the right to vote next year. I'm with you. I'm with you. I've been randomly supporting uh, candidates that really impress me. (laughs) Do you you want Pence to declare a state uh, church? Do you want Pence to declare a state church? Yeah, exactly. I think think he would try. I really do. Norma, thank you. This is the Tom Hartman Program. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Our book today in the Tom Hartman Book Club is Health Justice Now, Single Payer and What Comes Next by Timothy Faust. And this is from the introduction. A secret scream rings through America. It rings down the sterile fluorescent hallways of our hospitals. It rings over our rural towns and our native reservations. 
It rings through our prisons, the bellies of our great cities. It rings in our farms, in our fields, our streets, in our sewers, our bodies, and our blood. And we are cursed to never hear it clearly until at last we realize it has been our own mouth screaming and we are lost. A child born today inherits in that secret a new American squalor, the skeletal remains of the American cities, the bleached bones of the American suburbs. This secret is a birthright of continual exploitation, pumped for labor and drained of cash and then punished for the resulting suffering, punished for being hungry, punished for being sick, punished for being pregnant, punished for being poor, punished for being black or brown, punished for being queer, for being unlucky, for being. At the base of that suffering is lodged a little truth, like a knot in the stomach. In America, sickness makes you poor, and poorness makes you sick. This is a book about that relationship and why it happens, and why it's unnecessary, and what we can do to fix it. The cosmic whirling of God's great slot machine has not determined that some people are fated to suffer while others flourish. We have the resources to take care of everyone, and yet we refuse to do so. Your medical debt and medical bills are unnecessary, but we have chosen to make them necessary. These are structural problems with structural causes, and many of them share roots in how we pay for health care. This is a book about health care and health finance. They are different. Health care is anything that helps you stay safe and healthy. It's a kind of freedom from and within your own body. Health finance is the method by which we as a country pay for that freedom and by which we decide who gets to have it and who doesn't. Healthcare is more than what happens to you in the hospital. Healthcare is whether your home makes you sick, or your food makes you sick, or your environment makes you sick, or whether you have enough money to afford the things that keep you healthy. In America, the structure of corporate healthcare has convinced us that some people deserve healthcare and some people don't. This is a book about that corporate health finance, about private insurance and private insurers. For half a century, they've convinced us that they're the only things that keep us or could ever keep us from the utter financial ruination of illness. They've sold us different inadequate insurance plans and persuaded us that this is a form of great liberty while chipping away at our freedoms for profit and holding our bodies and our children's bodies hostage. This is a book about single-payer health care, a health finance model in which we pool our abundant collective resources to provide health care to all people. It is a common model across the world. As we will discuss in this book, we have the potential not just to enact a single-payer program in America, but to build the greatest health care program among any so-called developed democracy. Here is my profession of faith. I believe beyond any doubt that single-payer is demonstrably sound and imminently feasible. I believe a properly ambitious and well-structured single-payer program will do more than any other American social program of this generation to soothe the burns, to resuscitate the spirit, to nourish the moral will of the American people. I believe it will loosen the loathsome manacles of American health finance, an exploitative institution that profits by plundering from us our own bodily autonomy and that anchors the larger exploitation that holds those whom we love as captive leverage to guarantee our servitude to abusive employers or domestic partners, to those who seek to dominate us both in the office and in the hospital. I believe this nation owes its people, 
whose labor has created its rich banquet, the safety and agency of healthcare. I believe this healthcare is greater in scope than that which happens upon an operating table. I believe that housing, food, income, and more, the components of basic human dignity, are healthcare. And I believe our work is that of striving toward justice for all people. And I therefore believe, I have to believe, that single-payer healthcare is our moral imperative. Single-payer is our tool. Single-payer is our weapon. Single-payer is our first step. But single-payer on its own is not the goal. This book is about health justice. Healthcare is personal. So I want to start this book personally by introducing two friends of mine, Steve Way and Kyle Kolick. They're two guys about my age, I'm 30, who live in North New Jersey. They're sweet, gentle people and probably the most charismatic pair of friends I've met in my entire life. They make me laugh until my face hurts and we like watching pro wrestling together. They're also being utterly broken by our American healthcare system and it's keeping them from living their lives. Steve has muscular dystrophy. The muscle and tissues that hold his body together are eating themselves. He's doing pretty good, all things considered. He beat his original life expectancy of 18 and now probably has a long life ahead of him. Steve needs a wheelchair to move and a ventilator to help him breathe. The book, Health Justice Now, Timothy Faust. Tom in Temecula, California. Hey, Tom, what's on your mind? Uh, Citizens United, a way to get rid of it. Um, we're all okay. entitled to free speech, correct? In theory. And, we're, and we believe in equal application of the law. So if money is free speech, then we're all entitled to free money. <laughs> if A equals B and B equals C, then C must equal there A. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think they Tom, might I love you. against it. Okay. I one, love your logic. thing uh, that uh, sure. trip uh, President Trump made, uh, the, the emergency visit to the hospital that uh, nobody knew about, it was for a brain mm -hmm. scan, and they didn't find anything. <laughs> it was an empty skull case. Yeah, it's, it's you know, a cheap shot, but uh, yeah, I get it. I get it. Tom, I got to run, but thank you. Michael in Bronx, New York. Hey, Michael, what's up? Hi. What's up is the breaking news of Trump having COVID-19. Now, I've seen on Facebook, on Facebook and other social media that while some people are saying, oh, so it's no longer a hoax, you know, people kept saying that, you know, Trump kept saying it's a hoax, it's a hoax. Now you see it's not mm -hmm. a hoax. And then there are others that are saying they think that this story is a hoax to try and get sympathy votes. And now right. I have responded and I said, look, no matter how you slice it and dice it, it's a no-win situation for Trump because, first off, Whenever somebody gets struck with this virus, we always wish them well, no matter who it is, including him and Melania. With that said, yes, he has had a history of 12 months of saying it's a hoax, it's a hoax, and we know it wasn't a hoax. And so it's like if he has to learn the hard way. But I understand those that are skeptical of this particular um, story because of the 3.5 years of him lying to the public. And so when you look at it, it's like, you know, people don't trust him to begin with. And he's gonna have a hard time explaining to his followers that are not affected yet, or heaven forbid, they got affected, but they'll not know it. And, you know, there's some people that if they know they weren't affected, they're probably not following him anymore. But he's got a lot of explaining to do on their part. It's like, how the heck is it he gets infected if it was a hoax? Oh, they, they, they tried to lie, Michael, about Hope Hicks. 
They, you know, when, when Hope Hicks tested positive and she'd been around all these people, they tried to cover that up. And, you know, it got leaked. And, and the, 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 I believe it was the Washington Post that broke the story. But they, or maybe it was the AP, but whatever it was, the reporter had to sit on that story for like 12 hours because they knew that if they published the story, it would have told the administration who the leaker was because it was such a small number of people who knew about Hope Hicks being sick. I mean, it's just, this is just insane. We're getting lied to about, you know, just normal stuff like this. Ellen in Cortland Manor, New York. Ellen, you have the last 30 seconds of the show. What's up? So, you know, we're having uh, the Senate seats that are Mm -hmm. the Democrats who are being reelected. And there's Doug Jones of Alabama and Gary Peters of Michigan. They're fighting for their lives. And you need to know that. Mm-hmm. And then people need to know to donate to their campaigns and turn I'm, out. I'm vote. completely with you, Alan. Thank you for mentioning that. And Gary Peters in particular is is actually a solid progressive. Doug Jones, kind of a middle of the road guy, but hey, he's taking on a Republican in Alabama. So support them. Special thanks to Louise Hartman, Sean Taylor, and Nigel Peacock, basically, and and, and Nate Atwell, Jamie Holly, Joyce the Hammer Nance, Sue Nethercutt, uh, Patrick Hoyt, Geraldine Halbert, Dave Fulton, Ron Hartenbaum, Chase Sprouse, Nicholas Miller, Pat Sweeney, and Jabbermocky, the folks who work on this program or various you know parts of our little empire here to keep it going for you. Thank you so much, and thank you to you for watching, listening, and participating with us. We'll be back. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.